Welcome everyone to the International Artistic Development Podcast, Episode 5. Today we have Sikilela Skippy Kubeka. Hi. Who is a very good friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he works at Marshall's Music in Midlands. Midlands. Yeah. And today we are going to be speaking on... Just kind of his journey as well as uh, on music shops, you know, the importance of them. There are various things that uh, help the music community and also people wanting to get into music. Um, yeah, so music shops are very important uh, and we'll talk about some more important segments, uh, a bit of the law yeah, as we kind of run through it. So thank you for joining us on this uh, this next podcast. All right, so Skippy, let's start off by how would you say your music journey started? Ah oh, man, uh, my music journey started way beyond in the nineties. Um, as a kid, I was always the curious guy, messing around with my parents' instruments, uh, and. Uh, you know how growing up with a lot of influential music around the house uh classical music jazz uh traditional and a hell of a lot of gospel thanks to gran <laughs> thanks to granny but uh but yeah i started after messing around and being curious joining the first band in the teenage years and the cards i think you heard of the the strings and things thing yes yes you i know? remember that yeah. that was that was cool and uh i think that year well, that year actually was the year that I realized that yeah, music is for me. And after trying to explore more of that, um, decided to pick up an instrument. And uh, by 2013, I started performing publicly and having it back since. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the the interesting thing is, you know, that the music shop is is quite a big thing for us mm. I th because we didn't speak. Um, yeah, we didn't, we didn't speak at high school at all. Not that much, no. No, not 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 at all. Well, we were cricket. We were teammates with cricket that one season. Remember? Yeah, but I was still the, the very quiet, awkward kid. So okay, I, yeah. I didn't you, speak you at very, all. Yeah, I think I was yeah. just bowling very yeah. wildly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's look at. Uh, I think. Since we ended off with you saying 2013, you didn't look back, you, you got into performance. Mm -hmm. But you've played a lot of different styles of music and obviously been exposed to a lot of different styles of music. So mm -hmm. how would you say it has shaped you as a person as well as you have approached um, getting into di these different styles of playing? I would say uh, it had a lot to do with uh, just being curious um, always looking for different avenues, not really listening to what the majority people are listening to. That was one of the things that I, I came, that I've come to understand, you know, if everyone goes right, what would happen if I go left? You know, one of those things. Okay, and yeah, yeah. and you'd be like, oh, left isn't so bad. What's that? And, and using, getting curious, learning these styles of music, being curious, not for the sake of, I just want to learn it. You, you, you will go into the perception that I just want to know. 
and taking those styles and influences and using them to your performances it, it played a very very massive role and it was actually pretty cool um to be curious discovering different styles things that aren't seen as usual and using that in a more usual way yeah i think that's something i also try to work with with a lot of my students getting them to because as much as listening to guidance is important i also think that self-discovery is also a very important mm. side of learning yeah um if anything it propels you a lot further mm. i would say once you have the core guidance and then you kind of looking into stuff like if i look at um there's a big document that I wrote on um, the approach to sight reading. Yes. And a lot of that is discovering different styles of music. So you you cover your Baroque music because yeah. counterpoint and four-point harmony plays an important part in the uh, building up of skills to learn the music. Um and then when you get to the romantic period of music, you, you encounter a bit of a difficult era because you've you've got these composers that have now gone from the core style where Beethoven has kind of uh, set this example and yeah. everyone is now really going into these different styles, discovering themselves. Yeah. So, um, like for instance, if you pick up a score by Schubert. Yes. Um, in order to understand his music and in order to read his music accurately, I always have like a three-piece rule. Yeah. Um, obviously, as you play it or as you listen to it, your ear will kind of adapt to the music. But also there are patterns as you analyze the music and as you play through it, you start picking up on those patterns and it becomes easier to navigate the music. Yes. Yeah. And after that, that three-piece rule, then it makes it so much easier. You, you can pick up a new score by Schubert, and it's so much easier to read. Whereas if you've never touched something like uh, a score by Brahms, mm. and you suddenly start playing Brahms's music, it's going to be very difficult to get into it, because he's got a completely different approach. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have found that getting out of my comfort zone so, so when I started looking at uh, some of the transcriptions for Tigran Hamasan's music yes. his rhythms are absolutely insane and there's also a lot of choir pieces that had very odd swaps between time signatures and, and groupings of rhythms um, and me having to like teach the kids this as well as know the piano part <laughs> <laughs> but you, I promise you, you it, have, it, it really, it really sorted my rhythm from there. I, I never had issues again after that. Like even, even jazz was easy. Yeah, I'm, sh I'm sure as soon yeah. as you, as soon as you kind of describe it to them, they'll be probably Tim and Tubby, so they'll be sitting there in the back like, bro, what? 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 <laughs> it's like, what does he mean? It's like, yeah. <laughs> just go for it and there's a way you put yeah. it like if I think of the, the piece um, the, I think the most difficult piece we did with the choir was a piece called Little Man in a Hurry mm. and I think I did bring it up uh, when I had one of our earlier guests uh, uh, Tim Tim on the, on the show we spoke about Little Man in a Hurry but um, I, I don't think we, we went too much into the difficulty of teaching it 
Mm. Mm. Because, I mean, we were dealing with kids that some of them didn't know music from like a pop sob. They, they, it, yeah. it was completely new. Yeah. They started it. Um, and, and then all of a sudden you've got this momentous piece where at one point it's and it's it's at high speed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's one section where it starts swapping between four four time and seven eight time, <laughs> and then it jumps to there's eleven eight, there's thirteen eight, there's nine eight, and it's continuously changing. So you've, yeah, you've got to adapt your feel like constantly. And absolutely. Um, so teaching that to kids that don't understand music, you, you've got to teach them almost by feel, kind of. Yeah. And it's interesting how at the end of everything, once you get them into the mindset and the approach to it, they start feeling it. Yeah. They see what you see. I mean, it's as you said, you got to... I wouldn't say they see what I see. Well, in, in I see it very way. analytically. You, but yeah, to so them, they'll be like, yeah. okay... I, I kind of get okay with this sort of yeah. method, this sort of method, this sort of... Okay, I'm starting to get it, but... Yeah. No, the, the, yeah. because there's term, times I will explain how I kind of see the piece. Yeah. And then I realize, okay, those kids at the back aren't really getting it. Let me try and explain it a completely different way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I think we did cover the whole thing of the approach to uh, different styles. Yes, yes. Um yeah it's it's important to obviously each person has their own taste Absolutely, so it's, yes. it's important to explore where your tastes kind of lie yeah um and now and again if you are a performing musician you may want to get out of your comfort zone because you may be requested to yes. get out of your comfort zone yes yes and uh yeah if it's a nice paying job you may, <laughs> you may want to do it you know Okay. Yeah, it, it is. It is very vital to be as eclectic as you possibly can. As you said, different shows might require different tastes. So it's almost like it's kind of like a similar thing to like being an actor or an actress. You know, it's the same person, but they're different roles, different approaches, different ways. It's like okay, you have to when you enter this show, you have to put on like a face, like a jazz sort of character. When you leave there, you go to a country show and you have to put a yeah. country character. Everything, you have to be as eclectic as you can and always have that feel as if you've been doing that genre for a long time. I reckon that is, yeah. It, it's, it, it's a very advantageous um, sort of trait to have. Now, I think going a bit out of topic, mm. but I think this is something that occurred to me now. Um, now that you mentioned the whole thing of acting, mm. you do get actors that sometimes cannot play specific roles. Mm. Do you think it would be the same for, well, I suppose it is the same, for, for music, knowing your boundaries as to maybe what you can't perform? Yeah. Because maybe you, you're not inclined to it. Yeah. Uh, don't really have an interest in it. Like if I think about it, country music is really not my thing. Hater! You hate... Oh, <laughs> my goodness. What? Hater! <laughs> so being a hater... <laughs> Come on, you, you, you obviously... Uh, <laughs> there's going to be some stuff that you, you don't like and you're not willing to essentially play. No, well... 
Okay. Well, I can't think of anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> One day something will pop. Up. One day something One day will pop. But until then, hey man, I'm hey, I'm like I'm like smarties, eh? All different flavors, eh? <laughs> yeah. But you know, funny, funny enough, um, sometimes things change, eh? Mm-hmm. Like if I think about it, uh, when I was at university, yeah. I was very into just classical music. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't really into jazz, but I would I would dabble with it. I would listen to it now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I did not like was traditional African music at the time. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I just, don't understand why. Just kidding. Just kidding. Good. Um, good. And I find myself now yeah. really, really liking it because because we studied it in 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 music history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the whole aspect of of being like kind of pushed it. I, I think that was my Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. Whenever I was forced to do something that I did not want to do, yeah, I, I didn't like doing it. I mean, so, so I think that's why I, I didn't, I re- refused to study at school. I was like, no, I don't want to be here. Why was I study? I actually must confess, there have been moments like that in when I grew up um, with classical music, actually. Um, so you can call me a hater, fine. I'll forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, during high school, there was a time where I didn't like classical music uh, because it was being played all the time. And, but now, yeah, it, it was, it, there was a time, like, my dad would play Oberto, which was actually, it actually turned out to be one of my favorite recordings uh, of classical music. And if, there was once a time I kept almost, like, shouting, I was like, Dad, turn it off, please, put on the radio, something like that. And, and I realized, and I was like, you know what, man? That was a mad, that was a mistake, man. I should have just really, <laughs> you know, even on the way to school, man, pull out a yeah. pen and paper, and be like, man, this stuff is making me think. No, but I, <laughs> honestly, there's there's sometimes we we can't help it. As we grow, we kind of learn with things, and we yeah. look back. Like I, I wish my approach to to African music was was different because mm. there was a lot of important stuff that um, maybe I kind of skipped out. Mm during that time uh and i find myself looking at a lot of traditional music not just um uh southern african traditional music now mm-hmm. nice um yeah yeah so i think let's let's move on to am i am i again off why does it keep doing this i think it's at this side we can't speak there um don't get interrupted by it just continue all right okay um all right. Uh, sorry, we, I became an audience member there again. All right. So now let's let's look at the whole idea of music stores. Yes. What do you think is the importance of a music store? All right. Um, I feel the importance of a music store is to have that connect that that connection with the uh, would be uh, purchaser or would be musician to sort of like almost go in that same journey that they wanting to go to um, 
So like just this afternoon, you know, you have you have a couple of kids, first time guitar players. You can see it in their eyes uh, that they're so keen. They want to dive deep into that. Our job as a music store is to make them really feel. I'm putting aside the facts of selling, putting that aside. Yeah. Just yeah. that that ethical feel that like, look, this is where it all started. This is where the journey began. And to for us to be a part of that is actually a very, very cool thing. And, and it is important that we continue to have such relationship with with our customers in that, in that manner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if I think about it, uh, I mean, in a way, that was some kind of influence for me because I always remember the, um, the shopping mall pavilion. Mm-hmm. There was a music store there that every time, because my family loved it, Shopping at Pavilion. Yeah. Spend my nice. time uh, playing the instruments there. Yeah. Um, sometimes talking to people there. Uh, yeah, it creates these connections and things. But I, I also feel that there's a, there's a larger extent to the importance. And I suppose we can talk about it here in terms of uh, the extended importance as well as how sometimes music stores are neglected. So if I think about it, there's a huge chain of events, essentially, because music stores, they bring in a lot of new musicians, people that, you know, they walk around with their kids, the kids want to go in and see, Mm -hmm. and maybe that inspires them to pick up an instrument, Mm -hmm. um, and and you provide them with with that. Um, But also, a lot of the schools are supplied by music stores yes and this is where i would say that the large chain is kind of affected yeah i mean if you didn't have a music store let's say and i think we've got about three uh decent sized we could have a larger one. You guys did have a nice big store before. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's sad to see that you guys had to downsize. I'm, I'm glad you guys managed to stay open, though, because, I Thank mean, you. Uh, with with um, with COVID, it, it, it has been tough. It was a nightmare. It, it yeah. was a massive yeah. stress for, for everybody. Uh, it had a huge snowball effect on being cut out uh, from being cut off between us and the customer, yeah, and uh, yeah. it's it's it was horrible, stressful on all levels, and uh, but yeah, I'm very very grateful that we're still able to continue. We had to obviously follow the protocols that that were required of us, but as you said, at least the shop is not closed. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Because coming back to that whole chain of events, if if the main music stores had to close down. Mm. Then it becomes an issue for schools to get their instruments. Um, there will be kids that want to do certain instruments, and because it's not now available, yeah, they don't get to learn that instrument. And then they go to university, and maybe the only thing they've 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 learnt is uh, just the guitar, and maybe they've always wanted to play something like the tuba. Yeah, and then you you you've basically lost someone that could have fed into your local orchestra. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's... Once you start really thinking about it, there is a huge effect Yeah. that goes down the line. Yeah. 
I mean, we feel like we are all, we are all interconnected. Um, that bridging gap between where you are and where you want to be, that, that bridge itself, I feel, is the music store. That channel, that, you, that avenue that you need to take. And obviously, let's put it, obviously, the hard work and all that kind of stuff. But to have the physical item and someone to there to someone there to run it through and go or work with you as to how it works, how you can do stuff. And there've been moments where we'd even offer like min- miniature lessons and be like, okay, if you want a guitar, we can help you. Maybe I can teach you three basic chords. And then once you just have that little droplet of knowledge, then the ripple effects start happening. Once you start learning those three little simple chords, now I can start expanding yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and for us to be a part a part of that transition, it really means a lot to us. And um, when things like COVID and and that whole idea of, of of yeah, just sorting out certain things that 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 puts music stores at risk. Yeah, it is a little bit. Of, it is not a little. It's actually becoming quite a concern, actually. But um, we still we still carry on. We still try to keep to our roots, and uh, and it does it does help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think uh, I think there's a lot more we can kind of do in, in terms of creating awareness. Mm. And I think in South Africa, the way we market is a bit flawed yes we, we can still catch up with the, with the rest of the world there's, there's a lot of marketing techniques that you see yeah. people internationally uh, employing and yeah that you see we still kind of there's some people using older systems and stuff yeah uh yeah and I, I suppose that's one of the things that i like to explore on the podcast you know issues that we can kind of look at and and grow as musicians yeah um and i I think a lot of the issues that we kind of go through people internationally can kind of see and maybe it can help them that side maybe they can assist from their side absolutely um and i I think it's it's actually also important if there are people in the audience that would like to drop any questions or anything uh, please do. There is the um, podcast interaction section. Uh, Rizal, just just check there because I haven't got my laptop facing me. So if a question does pop up, you want me to answer, let me know. Yeah. All right. So moving on from there, I think let's look at. So we we've spoken a bit about the effect, and obviously sales is is one thing that yes. has been a big effect. Yes. I've seen it a lot with with pianos i mean there's there's a big store that i used to love going to and and it was almost um like our mini steinway because yeah. they would restore pianos and they would have these amazing set of pianos and you'd play on each one see yeah. which one you kind of like yeah um but yeah COVID has affected um the the sales in that extent and they've they've disappeared sadly yeah um how would you say you, you've had to adapt to certain things uh, with, with the whole thing of sales? Well, um, I mean, with the, with the ongoing growth of online business, it, it has hit us pretty hard uh, a couple of times. Mm. Sometimes you face situations where, you know, you just can't uh, sort of compete. 
uh, with with what's what's happening out there, truthfully. But all in all, um, we've noticed that uh, um, there's cert- there are indeed certain flaws that online marketing has, and uh, retail still has an advantage. I mean, it's the way I see it. It's pretty much like technology. Technology is great. It is uh, huge progress, but it still doesn't. It, it it doesn't hurt to have that little bit of that human touch, that interaction. But uh, yeah, in terms of sales, um, we it, it it can be a little bit tricky trying to match prices all the time and uh, and and watching things go up and down, fluctuates over the yeah, weeks yeah. and months. Uh, but we still carry on doing the best that we can. I think people also need to realize that um, there's a lot of instruments that require that that personal touch. Like for mm-hmm. instance, if I'm wanting to. If I'm wanting to pick out a piano, even if you go like digital piano, yes. obviously there are certain things that you'll sell that people don't really need to come in for. Yes. But I actually feel that there's a lot of things like, like there's a lot of times if I want to buy a certain cable, mm. I want to make sure that it, it fits or if, if there's a fitting for like a mic or something. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure I go in with the mic, make sure it actually fits. Um, there's sometimes I'm too scared to buy something online mm-hmm. because I know there's a possibility it might come and then I'm like, oh, I've spent a yeah. ton of money and yeah. now it doesn't fit. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and and there's there's a personal touch thing with, and, and this is actually important for growing musicians because a keyboard, I mean, it's, it's convenient when you don't want to disturb neighbors, especially if you're living in an apartment type of thing. Mm-hmm. But... To become a well-rounded performer, especially if you're looking to go into like your chamber music, your jazz, um, professionally, mm-hmm. you need to understand how piano feels. There's so many mechanisms and the approach to touch mm. can give you so many different tone colors yeah. because of, of the chain of events with the mechanisms with inside the piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. I mean, not just piano, like even matters with guitar. You you can find that's how instruments are edited online and that's it. It is cool, don't get me wrong. Uh, you hear this thing and it sounds golden and it sounds amazing. But then you we still we still have that connection with... I would like to have that thing in front of me so I can make a proper informed decision. I too have had moments in the past where there was once uh, an incident, there was a guitar that I was really curious on trying out and I saw it on the internet. It sounded good. It looked good. But then by chance, um, I went to perform. We went to perform in Johannesburg and by chance we found a music store with that guitar in it. And uh, once I picked it up and I, play the first chord just to really get that feel i was like it wasn't wasn't what you wanted i was like is that it (laughs) you know is is, is that it oh my you know so to to have that ability to have that physical thing as you said your approach to touch your approach to feel how it works as you play it uh playing other music or other styles and then most importantly (laughs) if you compose how it works or how it feels when you play your stuff Especially that part when you say how you how do you play your music, if you're that musician who is going to perform a piece, Ravel, uh, 
Rachmaninoff, Chopin. You have yeah, to yeah. have your take on it, but you have to have that vision to be like, okay, when I perform, is this that instrument that's going to take me or give me that performance yeah, yeah. that I that I so desperately desire? And and you find a lot of the times when, um, because it happens with jazz and classical musicians when yeah. when they're planning a performance, yeah, and uh, well, they're lucky enough to go into like the Steinway stores or the Steinway warehouse to try out the different pianos. Yeah, they'll they'll move through so many different pianos before they settle on one. Mm. That is the ideal sound. And what they're actually looking for there is um, you you playing certain pieces and you, you have this internal sound of the music within your ear. Absolutely. And you yeah. know when you sit down, you're like, this this doesn't match yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, sometimes you can't choose. Sometimes yeah. you've got to play the venue and, and there's just a piano there. Maybe there's two pianos and then, yeah. uh, then you've got to choose between it. Sometimes you've got one piano. And it's not so great. Mm-hmm. I remember when I performed, let's see, I think it was at Grace College. Mm-hmm. So Grace College does have a nice piano, but I realized for the repertoire I was playing, mm-hmm. there was a lot of, <clears throat> so it was actually Rachmaninoff. Ah. And the particular piece doesn't really, doesn't really go up to your higher tones. Yeah. That was when I realized that that particular had a, a rather loud bass sound. Yeah. And because I was playing mainly in the bass, I had to adjust how how I played entirely. Just for that one instrument. <laughs> just for that one. See, just for the oh one man. instrument, yes. Yeah. 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 So so it's so it's quite important. Yeah. Um Okay, I, I think we've covered that, covered that nicely. Yeah. I think let, let's look at um, what do you. So this is more personal opinion type of thing. But okay. what what do you feel is? And I think I'll, I'll start with from my side, and then from your side, you can share yeah. something. Yes. Uh, so what do you feel is one of the main things lacking amongst performers? Because I know from my side, it's. Um, I would say humility. Absolutely, I fully agree with that one. So yeah. I, I constantly come across people that have this very elitist point of view. Yes, yes. And for me, it does two things. It it closes off. It closes off people from you. Yeah. And it also closes off your learning capabilities. Absolutely. Because because thinking you, oh, like this elite person, this great person. Yeah. Um, you don't end up learning from other people because you think you're better than. And I've found, like, as as a music teacher, there's so many times, even beginner students, yeah, a student will come to me and they'll see what I'm teaching in a completely different way, and, and it makes me rethink my approach yeah. entirely. Yeah. So I'm constantly learning and. Um, I remember, I remember my piano teacher said that. So I never wanted to be a, a teacher. Yeah. My yeah. piano teacher said, you're not realizing what you're going to be missing out on. Yeah. And now that I, I actually had to get into music teaching at some point, um, obviously it was very reluctant at first, but eventually I, I started enjoying and started seeing the side that, hey, I'm actually, <laughs> if I wasn't teaching... I wouldn't be learning as much as I am now. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's very, very important to to have that connection, um, that community uh, link between one musician and another, to have that certain level of respect, as you said, humility. I mean, over the years, playing with many different di- different artists, I've come across some that were had that elitist mentality. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know if I should play with you or throw this guitar over, over your head. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've had moments like that where, 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 where you have to learn how to understand who you're working with. And you have to have that, connect, that connection. Because... It's amazing what can come out of that when you start thinking alike and start even from the first meeting, maybe from the first five minutes, you can already have that connection. Be like, okay, I'm really feeling this guy. Or I can see where this person is going. And if I try add a little bit of my, maybe add a little bit of my thing to it, and then next thing you know, boom, you know, something new comes out of it. Yeah. And yeah. there will obviously be those little clashes, but all in all, yeah, I think you have to come, you have to work with the musician from a very uh, humble perspective. I mean, as, as um, I was reading this one philosopher, I think it was, uh, who was it? It was uh, like Kevin Hart. <laughs> uh, there was this one uh, philosopher who, who said that um, the only way that you will ever learn a thing is to really admit that you don't know anything. You know what I mean? You yeah, have to come yeah, no, in with the, with the approach of like, listen, I don't know what I have. I have my little thing and my little knowledge. You must come at it from, a, from an angle and be like, I'm here to learn from you and you're here to learn from me. But I'm not going to obviously bombard it, but show me what you have and let us see what we can build from there. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It is, it is, it's a very, 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 very fine thing to have uh, humility. You, it's, it's, it's also a very, very fine thing to have a, an open mind. Yeah. When you when you when you when you're about to stop when you start working when you're about to start working together, know that yeah. everything's gonna work. Certain things won't work, but you have to. It's all the the end goal is for you guys to come up with the piece or come up with a piece of music that when you play, the audience will feel what you are feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we we will chat about it later because it is yeah. in a topic, but. Um, I think about that performance we did with the, with the tango music. Yeah. Before, because it was traditional tango music, I actually did not start working on the music until I had understood how the dance works. Yeah. So I was I was at the dance workshops. Yeah. Uh, learning. And then it took me a while. I think it took me three sessions of actually dancing to kind of feel how, uh, because dancers also count yeah. completely different to way yeah. the way yeah. you count. True, true. Yeah, and that was that was a, a very unique experience. Yeah, it was. It was. It <laughs> but it, but very it really unique. helped. It helped because I mean, um, when we were sitting with the music and, and putting it together, remember the the um, the dance instructor was. He wasn't really happy with, with how it was sounding as yeah. well. I mean, there were still things that he mentioned he would like this and that done, but yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, as I said, a great minds think alike. If you approach it from a 
from one perspective and then another person approaches from another perspective there has to be that sort of bridging gap where you both can agree be like you know what this could work yeah this yeah. Uh, this must work well not must that's out of desperation <laughs> but, uh, but it's like this this could work yeah this yeah. could this could happen if we tried this tried this at this feel it that feel put this in take this out and all that stuff it's like it's like construction you know you are constructing even though the piece is in front of you there has to still be that little flair that you can put in that is it's still the piece but it's uniquely yourself and by in order to achieve such a thing you have to come at it from an angle it's like look i'm here to learn once i've figured yeah, it out yeah. then you can start transforming from there yeah 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 i'm actually thinking of like how <laughs> because, because i remember i was given music for that show yeah and uh some of the music was in like two like for two violins. Yeah. So you couldn't really gauge yeah. what was what was it supposed to do kind of. Yeah. Um I think I I wound up looking at different music because it was just what what are you going to do with like the melody? You've just got the melody. Yeah. And yeah. then you you've got to try and bring the the essence of tango to it that yeah like yeah that, I, and I, I think yeah. it would have worked if we did have two violins playing that type of thing yeah but then i mean uh with our types of instruments we needed the harmony to kind of fit over that and the harmony does have its own type of thing because mm. sometimes the tango music has that kind of a it's almost mm. like the harmony has that kind of a bite to it you know absolutely <laughs> yeah. absolutely um okay so we, we've been speaking about some um, oh wait I actually didn't get what, what what was the one thing you think well if it's not the same as me yeah. what do you think is the main thing lacking amongst performance lacking amongst performances uh ooh. I would say what is lacking amongst performances uh social cohesive encouragement Cohesive encouragement. Okay. Cohesive okay. encouragement. You get moments where one musician... You, you, when you're in a group or orchestra or band or whatever, you, you, it is important that everyone is on, on pretty much sound with each other. If one person is feeling uncomf- uncomfortable, you must encourage that person. You'd be like, listen, man, you can do this we got you. If you get stuck, we'll sort you out or help you out or pull you out of the gutter and all that kind of stuff. You just go out there and be yourself. That's another thing that I feel. Um, it is important for, it obviously depends on the genre. Um, but each genre, you must add more of yourself into that. Into that. Yeah, yeah. You must add more of yourself, uh, whatever genre you do, whatever, you, if you're playing country, I know there's a lot of t- times where where uh, musicians sing about the same thing and have the same somber tone, be it male or female. But what 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 separates one from the other is just their own little flick to it. Yeah, yeah their own little flick, um, and the way that's yeah, the, the way their own little flair that will make that person stick out from the other. You may be singing about the same thing. You may be think. You may be singing about. Oh yeah, my girlfriend just dumped me two hours ago, and I'm here having a beer. 
<laughs> but I don't okay. care because this is country. <laughs> but um, uh, but it's it's just it's not just how you sing it. It's it's not just what you sing. It's how you sing it. But but going back to the question there, um, if you are in a group and that band, we and you just have to have that cohesive encouragement. It's like a team. Uh, if you relate it to sports, you get on stage and be like, if you have an issue, don't worry about it. We got your back. You know? Yeah. We yeah. got your back. We'll help you out. Go and, and even if that person is not feeling too good, you'd be like, come on. We got you, dude. Let's get out there. We'll face it together. And that it's just like a team, like in, on the sports field. So mm, That, that yeah. definitely is important. Eh? Yeah, yeah. I sometimes see... Unfortunately, the, the whole elitist behavior sometimes affects that. Yeah. So I see it sometimes with certain groups where some people won't even associate with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is so weird. Mm. You see it, professional musicians not wanting to speak to each other or, or perform with each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There have been moments like... There are, there, there are moments. There have been moments... Um, but again, I think for the good of the greater good of actually performing a piece and delivering that that message to the audience, I think that that supersedes any personal vendetta or any issue that you have uh, that one has against the other. Uh, all in all, I know there's a clash of vision, clash of interests, clash of ideals. But if you if we all just we just come together and uh, at least on that performance, you know. And then, 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 then fist each other out afterwards. But, but all in all, <laughs> but then, but then, all in all, before you just get on stage, you would, guys must just be, yeah. people must just be cohesive. No, the, 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 there are a lot of musicians that actually manage to put aside their personal thing and then they perform it. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, there's certain settings where it's, it's difficult to mm. work. Yeah. Um, and it's usually in your smaller groups. Yeah. So if you're working in a band, if you're working in a, um, like a chamber group. Yeah. Issues then arise. Yeah. And you find that some people will play with each other in the orchestra, but they will never play together in a chamber setting. Mm. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. that thing. There because because that chamber thing. music has, has a certain element to it. And I think we'll, we'll discuss it in one of the later topics. Yeah. Okay, so the next the next bit that we can jump to is uh, it's our fun segment. Fun. <laughs> so so you know you don't really know what it is. It's always a surprise for our guests. Yeah. Well. Um, and it's always different for our guests. Oh goody. <laughs> um. So so we've been working together with with a lot of looking at. Uh, different compositions, different composers, mm-hmm. and so on. And I feel an, an, an important aspect to to gauging how to approach a piece of music yeah. to really understand it yeah. is also understanding the composer. Yes, There's a specific approach he has to his music, and a lot of the times that approach is affected by um, either how they grew up or influences that were around them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's fine if you want to participate, if you also want to try and describe a composer and have me in the hot seat kind of guessing. Oh, but I, I will start it off by, um, I will describe a composer's music and a mm-hmm. bit of the background. And from that, 
I want to see if you can tell me who the composer is. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, so that's that's okay. our fun segment. All right, game show. All right. Okay, game show. Curry cup face. All right, let's do this, man. Okay. Let's do this, bro. <laughs> so, this composer was influenced a lot by the style of opera music. Mm-hmm. And rhythmically, his music can be a little bit strange. Mm-hmm. Because, or, or difficult to approach, I would say, because it's it's not as set as it is. Yeah. You know, this little tiny notes that you kind of have on the page. Yeah. And, and then you've got a, you can't really fit it on the beat. You've got to try and figure out how to actually play that because it's it's more like just a run kind of thing. And, and, yeah. and th- that is actually an element from um, operatic music, that whole kind of run thing. Okay. So, so which composer does this? I'm going to have to go with my man, Chopin. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chopin, Chopin. Yeah. 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 Okay, Chopin. Yeah. No, Chopin is, Chopin is really, really nice. Okay. Very, very dreamy. Very, very dreamy. But but it's oh, not aggressive. He's, he's like more mid-range. He's not very aggressive. Well, he can be a yeah. little bit. But, but he's also not too... Not too quiet as well. It's more like right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. As you said, he's his, his music is that. is toned down, and and you see it a lot in the later pieces. Mm-hmm. And again, it actually comes down to how he was affected in life, because because mm-hmm. Chopin had, uh, I think it was, I think it was tuberculosis. Oh, there, there were a lot of composers that were affected by tuberculosis. Yeah, and. Um, uh, yeah, if I am wrong, just uh, someone can correct me in the comments or something. But um, <laughs> I think I think I'm right because I, I, I did read about it. The um, yeah, so so it, it weakened how he would play the piano. Mm. He couldn't be as ferocious as earlier on in his life. Like when he wrote his his uh, his earlier very dynamic etudes. Like if you look at the. Uh, you could kind of feel the sense of intensity in his... Because uh, his etudes had a very, I would say, although it was musical, his mm-hmm. etudes had almost a bit of an impersonal sense to it, in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you could see he was writing stuff that progresses the, the musician. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden you get to his 10th etude from the first book, Mm-hmm. which was the revolutionary etude. Yes, yes. And that was around the time where Poland was, his home, his hometown, yes, yes. was invaded. By Russia? Was it Russia? I, I, I can't remember who it was by, but um, but this really upset him because obviously his family was there. Wait, was it, it was either Russia or by France. Was it during the... Napoleonic period. Well, I, I I didn't follow the like the war stuff, <laughs> um, yeah. and I read it. I think I read it while I was at university, mm. so I can't really say for sure. But um, yeah, you, you could feel that etude had a completely different feel to the others. Yeah, and it was yeah. because of that he was upset, and that leaked out into his composition. Yeah. So it's interesting to, because sometimes you can even, if you look at the timeline, when pieces were kind of written, you can match it 
up with what's happening in a composer's life and get more of a sense of yeah. understanding of how the piece should sound. Absolutely. Because it's the same with, um, well, pretty much any composer, really. Yeah. Um, sometimes composers were experimenting with certain things. Yeah. All right. So, do you have one for me? Ooh, okay. <clears throat> how good are you with modern music? <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm bad with modern music. You're bad with modern if, music. If you're talking about, like... Uh, Anything outside of classical, <laughs> I probably won't. Uh, okay, probably okay, let's let's try, let's try, let's try, let's <laughs> try something. Let's try something. So I don't want to give you a, a flipping easy one. Um, was the Chopin too easy? No, no, it wasn't too easy. Don't, don't, no. <laughs> All right, this one, as you said, um, as you said, this composer. Um, pretty much wrote a piece that uh, I used to rave about. And uh, he pretty much, it was a violin piece. And I kept saying that this reason why I started falling in love with this composer is because of this one piece that made me think like he was shredding. What you hear on a violin, you could hear on an electric guitar, particularly in heavy metal music. And, and when you hear it, you like, Bro, that that's why I really like this guy. I have a similar a similar interaction between the classical piece, but if you were to add it into a more modern stuff like heavy metal music and all that kind of stuff, it will still work. So who is that guy? Uh, that one is Paganini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Paganini, the violin. I think he was. I think um, someone even said. Uh, I was watching this one video. They said he was the world's first heavy metal star. In a way, okay. obviously okay. without the what what how everything is now like with the with the heavy metal screaming that. But if you listen to his technique, particularly when he's um, shredding in in modern when he's shredding on the fretboard, you can't not. I don't know if it's just me, but you can't not hear an electric guitar there. You can't not hear it. <laughs> I don't really. Oh, yeah. You can't yeah. not but hear I'm, you I'm like not yeah. a, I'm not a guitarist. Though, yeah, so that, that's yeah. probably one. Yeah. Um, okay. What, one more from me. Oh boy. Okay. Hit me. Hit me. Come on. Come so on, so I'm gonna me. I'm gonna have to end here. But <laughs> so so this this composer was a very frustrated composer, I would say. Mm-hmm. You don't really pick it up so much in his music, um, but he he was very frustrated with his style. He had a very unique style. Out of all the composers, I would say he was in a very awkward position, and that awkward position just happened to shape how his music is. Mm. Uh, He was in between two styles of music, essentially, and... um, he always felt that classically, mm-hmm. the way he worked with classical music, he always felt himself very limited. Mm. But the funny thing was, a lot of people valued him and they saw the unique approach he had to composition yeah. and a lot of people turned him down. Mm. Um, Ravel was actually a person that turned him down when he wanted to study with Ravel. 
saying that uh, if you if you study with me, you will only become a second-rate Ravel. And he wanted him to stay a first-rate himself. So Ravel refused to teach him. You see the story when people say that music is a, is a very brutal business. They're not lying. It goes way back. <laughs> it goes way back. Jeez, hectic. Oh, man. So, so who, who is so who, that? So who do you think it is? Do I get clues? <laughs> Okay, um, so the two types of styles that he was stuck between was, was jazz and classical. Okay, where, where is he from? Did he emigrate somewhere in his time? <laughs> no, he, did, he didn't emigrate anyway. He didn't emigrate uh, American composer. American? Mm-hmm. I don't want to say this one because he was Canadian. Um... Oh, shucks. Stravinsky. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, come on, man. Um, Not Stravinsky. No, 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 he didn't. Um, There was one that left. Wait, what? Did he do Rhapsody in Blue? Yes, that's the guy. Okay, if he did Rhapsody in Blue, that is... um. Shostakovich? No. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry, stop it. <laughs> okay, okay. It's uh, it's George Gershwin. You guys, oh, if you've got, yes. If, if was... you've got, uh, oh, no. you, you got George Gershwin. Oh, it was Gershwin. Dang yes, it, yes, bro. Yes. Okay, so so I had that. I had that. Yeah. Right, that was probably that was gonna be my next. It's, just, it's been a while. You gotta forgive me, man. It's been it's been a while. No, no, it's fine. It's, it's fine. been a while. Um. Gershwin, Gershwin is really interesting. Hmm. So, I I would say Gershwin wasn't fully jazz, yeah, and, and wasn't fully classical, and and that's kind of the place he was stuck between. He wanted his technique to be better classically, mm. but he still wanted the jazz sense. But mm-hmm. then also his composition technique he wanted to improve, and he actually approached Ravel, as I said. Um, he approached, uh, I think he also approached Nadia Boulanger. Oh, Madame Boulanger. And um, there, was a, there was another composer. I, I, I can't think of it. it. It may have been... It may have been... Um, who, is this, who is this composer? Um, Schoenberg. It may have been Schoenberg. Okay, I, I, okay. I can't, can't remember. I could be wrong about that one. Um, yeah, but they, they, they rejected him because they, they actually valued his composition style. Mm. You know, uh, Schoenberg is quite interesting because um, Schoenberg, he, his music is very different. Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you ever listened to his music? Not really. There's a lot of people can't get into it and then uh, and then you kind of get people that want to seem intelligent and they say they like Schoenberg, but uh, <coughs> yeah. So Schoenberg, I would say, is music you don't... Very few people can sit down and listen to it for fun. Yeah. You've got to understand what he's doing first. Yes. And then you listen to it and you realize that he's actually trying to achieve something with the music. He's not, it, it's not like another composer that is almost putting a piece of themselves kind of in there. Mm. Um, and I, like I would say they, their composition styles were, were, were very different uh, Rachmaninoff and and, and and Schoenberg yeah you know, the, the approach was entirely different whereas 
Schoenberg very mathematical, Rachmaninoff very um, free, free loading. Very free. He, very free, he, he believed yeah. very much in composing with feelings. And that, yeah. Yeah. This was one um, of the reasons why I really like Rachmaninoff. There was that mutual respect, essentially. Because mm. um, Schoenberg says, he said he composed a certain way, mm-hmm. but he always wished, um, he wished he could compose the way Rachmaninoff did. Mm. And, uh, yeah, but he couldn't. So I, I think that that's an important aspect to kind of look at, the fact that, because um, people tend to look at these great musicians and they want to try and, replicate yeah it's always important to realize that you've got to find your own voice yeah man. and sometimes you've got to do extreme things like i know for me <laughs> and it became a habit to the point that um i i don't listen to music now mm. really. like if i want to study a particular star i'll pick up the music and listen to it and play it but um yeah I, I, when when i left university I found myself very similar to a lot of different composers or I hadn't I hadn't felt like I had discovered myself. So mm-hmm. I'd stopped. I'd stopped reading books about other composers. Yeah. I had stopped listening to music. Jeez. Mm, Completely. Completely. I would not. And I still I, I still haven't really like I drive in the car in, in silence. That's I, weird, unless, yeah. unless Rosal's in the car, then then she puts the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I can I can relate. You get to get to that point where you like, yeah, you just want to. Yeah. No, be but there's, there's, there's different yeah. ways to achieve that. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, but but I mean, it it was vital for me as a pianist as well as me as a composer, mm. because I was looking at these amazing pianist and I'm like wow I wish I can play like that yeah and now if I ever sit down and, and listen to another pianist yeah. what I'm actually doing is is I'm actually now analyzing I'm not just being like oh wow it's yeah. playing so great now I'm like oh they using this technique over here like yeah. like I remember uh, two said violin did this one uh, segment where uh, I think they were looking at uh, these different piano performers. Yeah, yeah. Some of, some of the top yeah. piano performers uh, performing these insane works. And, and, and one of the ones they looked at was um, Martha Argerich playing the Prokofiev Piano Concerto. Prokofiev. And it was one very technical uh, section of it. Um, and there was there was something that, that she did and... They couldn't really figure out what she was doing. And then I, I knew kind of exactly what it was. Yeah. Uh, because I'd been experimenting on my own. And I was also very much into the, uh, figuring out how a piano works yeah. from the inside. Yeah, yeah. Funny enough, it, it was a very, very percussive sound that she got. Okay. Now, you can place the carto in all the different written ways. Mm. And he will not get the sound. So what she actually did was, um, it was a combination of an old technique to staccato where you pull your finger. Oh, like you pull your finger in okay. to get like a staccato. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, 
but she did it with arm weight. Arm weight. So she pulled her arm down like this, right? Mm -hmm. And as her arm kind of... So let me show the camera as well for, for, <laughs> for YouTube. So she pulls her arm down like this. So as she's playing, she, she's doing this run and coming down. And as she's coming down like this, she snaps the finger back with the arm weight. And it creates this... Oh, okay. This really intense kind of percussive sound. Yeah. And, and for proper fever, a lot of the time you've got to achieve that that kind of sound because that's that's kind of what he, he wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so there's, there's things like that. And if I hadn't moved away from idolizing others, I, I never would have been able to find that place where I can sit and be like, okay, this is what they're doing because I've, I've discovered my own sound and I've stopped obsessing over mm. uh, how great other people are, you know, kind of thing. It's funny you should mention um, that because uh, that's what I'm trying to aim towards, to have a very unique sound of my own. And, uh, to, and it is good to gain influence. It is, it yeah, is good yeah. to gain influence, but yeah, at the end of it all, you, there, there has to be a point that thing, yeah. where you're going to say to yourself, okay, it, it's time to... It's time to take the training wheels off and uh, have a go. <laughs> See I, if I can do it on my own. You know? there, there is yeah. there is one pianist that it's, it's almost like I have a little bit of a celebrity crush on. That sh <laughs> but uh, every time when I just watch her play and uh, and you just end up like, you know, like those. So who, who is it? Her name is she's a Polish uh, pianist, Hania Rani. Okay, I, I don't, I don't know. You should yeah. check her you, out. You've mentioned I've her mentioned a few her times, a couple but I haven't times, actually lo looked at uh, Anya Rani. Every time I, yeah. I, every time, I mean, she's she. Her style is very open, very free thinking. It can be a little bit minimalistic kind of style, but okay. very arpeggiated sort of music with obviously modern tech like looping and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But but the way that she does it, and there was one song. There's one song called "Leaving." She is able to maintain that. Um, arpeggiated sort of technique, but still throwing her voice there in the middle of the and throwing the middle of the mix, and I'm like, man, um, okay, yeah. um, making me sweat here, but okay, okay, <laughs> but uh, it's it, it is are some thing. interesting styles, hey? Yeah, and I know people are still kind of closed off to it. Yeah, um, but if if you look at Tigran and Hamasan's music, mm. uh. He adds the element of so he, he brings a mic sometimes and while he plays he, he goes and adds to the difficulty of his rhythms. Yeah. And and he beatboxes with it. <laughs> he beatboxes with it. He beatboxes with it. And and it it, it, it sounds really it adds this unique element to it. Oh, but you'll find a lot of elements from beatboxing have found their way into modern um choral music now. Hmm. Oh yeah, with with like for example, it goes as far back as like a cappella music. If you think about yeah, it, yeah, uh, like that that uh, the collegian sort of a cappella music, and that you always had that one guy who always was the percussive person, and they resorts to beatboxing, yeah, yeah. and some are hellishly good. Like yes, you yes. are, you wouldn't tell that that was a human voice. I mean, this oh, oh gosh, like. There was this one, if I make an example, there was this one song that I really, really like from from Vikings, actually, the series Vikings, My Mother Told Me. Yeah. And this group manages, 
he managed to do some sort of percussive techno kind of beat rhythm thing. But the one that actually the one that actually took me off was the was the the, the bass singer because he developed that technique, that super low technique that you find only in Russian Orthodox choral yes, singing. Yes, or the the, the octavo. The octavo singing, yes. and 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 I'm like. As soon as you saw the war, it actually, he, his version made it sound like, I don't know how he was doing it, but he almost made it sound like it was a battle horn. And you're like, every time when I listened to it through the headphones, I was like, I think I want to go raid some, something now. <laughs> I'm going to raid someone's house, yeah. yeah. But but going back to that percussive sort of thing, it, it's as you said, it's, it, it, it is a really good concept to use uh, with the modernistic beatboxing feel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get into one of our important topics. Okay. So this one is, uh, when it comes to, and I'm not talking now about, you know, you get together with a group and, and you book a, a, um, like a hall and you do a concert, mm-hmm. but rather um, accepting, accepting performance jobs. Yeah. When it comes to accepting uh, the, the, these gigs, like your, your weddings, um private shows and things yeah. like that. I feel it's vitally important for, especially young musicians that want to earn some money on the side or mm-hmm. they, they've finished with the university now and, and they've got to start performing on their own and this is how they've got to earn money. Mm-hmm. They've got to understand the legal side behind things. So, yes. so what do you think are... So let, let, let's put it like this. So let's say someone has been asked to do a corporate function job. Yes. And they've got to perform. They go in uh, for basically this person wants to speak to them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What do you think they should ask for or speak about mm-hmm. that would be very important to protecting themselves oh well in terms of that when approaching a show or when someone wants to speak to you about using you for their their events there's a lot of things that come to play one thing you gotta ask is uh you could ask um how is their pa system me personally that's like one of the first things i would ask is there a pa system or do i have to provide it you give them a quotation because and sometimes that is a little bit of a wobbly one but you have to know your self-worth and what you are worth that's when you put it out there and be like look i'm this kind of artist i perform from this hour to that hour and for this much you end up asking those questions is there going to be a peer system or will i have to provide it um should something go wrong times times is definitely very important uh yeah. It's it's extremely important, especially especially weddings, because weddings I learned nothing ever goes according to plan. It's very yeah, rare yeah. that something goes according to plan. Um, <laughs> so so what, what, what do you think? So so let's say um, you get hired to do a wedding, and yeah. um, the allotted time slot is like three hours. Yeah, but then. Um, they go over the three hours. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think is the? Yeah, that comes. That comes. Yeah. If you go over the limits, 
But this this is where contracts are important. Yeah. I, I feel a contract is, is, is highly important for this yeah. type of thing. Because other events are very controlled in terms of time. Yes. But a wedding can sometimes go overboard. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's it's nice to drop a contract where you've got something like an, an overtime pay. Yes. yes. So if they go over the time, um, then there's... there's like it, it, Obviously, they're on a budget, but... Um, yeah, you can say, okay, this is, if you go over the time you requested, this is how much you're going to pay each hour. Each hour, yeah, 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 yeah. Even in terms of, um, yeah, safety precautions, uh, yeah. like weather can change in, at an event. Oh, yes, uh, yes. We've had moments where where you, everything looked fine, the weather's clear, in the middle of your performance, next thing you know, boom. Now it's raining. So you have to look in terms of safety and, and you at that situation where you kind of have to stop for your own safety. So now the issue is like, okay, because I've stopped, going back to your, your thing about contracts, it's we have agreed at this time. But during that period, it is my time. But obviously due to safety precautions, I have to stop. The contract still has to be binding. Yeah, you know, yeah. it still it still has to be binding, and you yeah, still have I, to I agree didn't even to think that. about that. Yeah, too. it's there's a um, lot of things. Um, if you if you have a technical difficulty, yeah. let's say you are performing. Oh, well, in, if it was an outdoor performance, then yeah, I would have think. Yeah. yeah, if you, if there's an outdoor performance, and let's say the mixer starts catching fire, it is, trust me, I've, 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 ooh, man, I'll tell you just now. But yeah, if the thing is catching fire. You are still. I'm sure you're still in accordance to the agreements. I reckon you still, you still have that right to say like, look, this wasn't of my doing. Yeah, I mean, but most, according to the contract. Yeah, most most contracts it. have a section that that falls under the whole thing of um, things that are not under your control, and then that mm. that would be one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Equipment catching your light. Yeah. Um, I've had a moment like that. I was, yeah. I was thinking of something now. What was I thinking of? Um, oh, yes, yes. So when it, when it comes to orchestras, and there's actually an example I'm thinking of. So mm-hmm. um, when we did the Michael House Festival, we, we found ourselves slowly losing musicians. What um, do you mean the, slowly losing musicians? <laughs> I'll explain, I'll explain. So there were some indoor concerts with the orchestra, and then yeah. and then there was an outdoor one. Okay. With a tent, yes. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's also another thing you got to think about. So with the orchestra, your your wooden instruments. Yeah. So your your cello, your violin, and stuff. If it's exposed to sunlight, it can crack, and those musicians will not play in those conditions. Um, they will kill you. So yeah. So so, <laughs> so so you need you need a covering, something yeah. that can provide the shade. Yeah. For the instruments. Um, but yeah, we started losing um, some of the cello players. Because as the sun was moving, the sunlight was starting to shine on the cellos. <laughs> and there's nowhere else for them to go. So, so literally, they were, uh, as soon as the sun reached them, that cellist was just like, okay, can't play now. Takes his instrument and goes in, and then the other cellos. <laughs> Tell me this was not in the middle of a song, in the middle of a this piece. This was in the middle of a performance. Oh my Dillion. Wow. But, but <laughs> you, you, these are things you've, you've kind of got to think about, you know, uh, yeah. especially when communicating with um, 
someone that is hiring you for something. Yeah. You've got to explain that there has to be enough coverage. Yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately, th- this place was... It, it was it was covered really well. Mm, but mm. it just so happened that, you know, sometimes you, you can't 100%. I mean, the sun wasn't completely there. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't lose a lot of cellos. Mm-hmm. So the balance was still still there. It was, it was good. It was it, fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Sometimes you, you've got to do things like that. Because you, you have to... Pre- I mean, some of those... Like if I look at uh, Boris Kerimov, I think he's, his cello is from... The 1600s. If that thing ooh, breaks, ooh, ah, ooh, it's, it's gone. Ooh, it's gone. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> ooh, I hope you lawyer the hell up, bro. <laughs> if the thing was sick up. <laughs> I hope you lawyer the hell up. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but I, I, so now that you mention it, I know in terms, not just with orchestra, in terms of bands as well, you have moments where we would send, if a venue, some, some massive venues, like, yeah. Like Royal Show, Splashy Fan, Opi Gopi, Rad Show, sometimes. Um, you, the artist does have a bit of a responsibility of sending the guys who are organizing a, a tech rider. What do you okay. guys need? What equipment do we have? What equipment that we have can you use? Here's what we have. So you choose option one, two, three, four, five. If you have that, cool. If you don't, make a plan. So, and, and should something go wrong, you know, at least you have those little things that can help you in terms of your performance, just to make it that much better. It reminds me of that one time I was in, again, I was in Joburg uh, with one of the bands that I play for. Um, we were at one restaurant. It was, oh yeah, it was Mali Zulu. Shout out to Mali if he's there. <laughs> we are at this, we were at this one restaurant uh-huh. and, um, we're at this one restaurant, and he was he was in front with uh with the other guitarist uh, Quinn, and they performing. They they have I'm sitting I'm in the back, but I'm also operating the desk that they were using. But I'm looking at this desk, and I'm like, "Hey man, I'm not really sure about this." In the middle of the performance, some of the grooves started sparking up, and I started smelling. <laughs> I started smelling burning smells, and. They're in the music, you know, they're in the groove, you know, sometimes you get that thing when the music takes you away, you know, and, and then I'm like, guys. Oh, yeah, you, you, you're uh, the one panicking yeah, I'm and not, playing. Like, guys, <laughs> guys. <laughs> so I was, instead of them, they focusing. I'm like, okay, once this thing catches a light, it wasn't a matter of if it was like when. Once this thing catches a light, I was actually starting to rehearse who am I going to start blaming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, this is your fault, mate. <laughs> so, so it's one of those things you just got to check and and ensure that they yeah. have before before you even set foot on the stage. And it's, it was a very very. So, so a very there's a lot thing. to really yeah. think about, eh? Hey? Yeah, I I would actually say before you actually get before you even get the important things kind of um, ready for meeting the person to discuss certain things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you've also got to run like um almost like a write down what could go wrong in in a performance should something happen because yeah. you you've got to think of how can you work around it mm-hmm. uh other things you can't work around and, and how mm-hmm. can you speak to the person involved to yeah. make sure yeah whatever that is doesn't happen 
Okay. So I, th- I think we've covered that quite nicely. Yeah, it, it yeah, is, yeah. It's quite nicely. Yeah. It, it gets, um, so if we have some young listeners, it, it gives them an idea once they start yeah. performing for money, you know. Lawyer the hell for. up. Yeah, yeah. sometimes <laughs> you might have to actually take a lawyer. Yeah, you must have one. Okay, on to a bit of a lighter topic. Um, okay. So instruments this is another like oh, personal kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, what, what, what stuff you wanted to learn and stuff. I know personally my side, uh, I was speaking about the whole thing of traditional music. Yeah. Um, I have to admit some of the Asian traditional instruments have mm. really appe- appealed to me. The yeah. shamisen is one of them. Yeah. And... Uh, and the Gukuin. Where is that from? China. China as well. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> R- really love them. Mm. I'd like to, at one point in my life, pick up one of those instruments and, and, and learn them. Yeah. Another orchestral instrument that I've always wanted to learn is the is the tuba. Mm. Mm. If I had to think of auditioning for an orchestra, yeah. it, it would be, I, I would like to learn the tuba mm-hmm. and audition with that. Yeah, yeah. And, and your side is there anything that you like? From the east, uh, the one, the one that that really that I really liked was the Eru, which is that's Chinese. Okay. Oh man, there, there's there's <laughs> something about that that the Eru that still like, kind of makes me feel like oh man, it's a really really nice instrument. But um, if there's an instrument that's well for starters, I'm looking at it. Uh, I wanted, I'd like to do more piano. Uh, piano is a super fun instrument to play. Lots of ideas and can pop out of there, not just for performance, but for production and all that kind of stuff. Piano, definitely. Um, my dad really got me into the idea and uh, I rebelliously went against him in high school. I picked up the drums instead. But now looking back, man, I was like, man, I really would like to get more into that. The next one is cello, actually. I really like cello. I really like the cello. I, I remember you saying you were you were into double bass. I was into. I still am. I still okay, am into okay. double bass. But if I could, I, if it was up to me, I'd have both. You know. But <laughs> I like cello. It's like the most human voiced instrument, in my personal opinion, the most humanly voiced instrument in the orchestra, and that's why I like it so it's, much. It's interesting how people kind of perceive the cello, hey? mm. because I've heard another description. Saying that the the cello is like, like the earth. Yeah, it's very earthy. It's yeah, yeah. It it's a grounding. Yeah. It's a grounding instrument. It's like one uh, piece by Fourier. It was a cello piece. Um, there was something about that piece. I listened to it once, but it was a master class by Benjamin Zander, really top dude. Um, he, when I heard this piece, I knew it was, it had that emotion of like, yeah, something, something's up with this piece. Something's wrong. But not in a way that, not the way that, that, that the person's playing badly. Absolutely not. This person is playing the hell out of himself. He's really getting into the cello. Yeah, yeah. And after it was explained and it was played again, then, then, you, then you started to understand the story behind. You end up learning the piece. Yes. yes. And the, the topic was, um, Foray was a widow. And this piece he wrote for his wife, who sadly passed away. 
and to have that elements of a human voice crying, wailing, freaking out, understandably so. You lost your wife, man. You yeah, know, yeah. but it's but the way that he did it, and you you end up liking it even more. And I, that day, I was like, "Yep, I'm digging the cello." <laughs> Fauré yeah. is a, actually a really interesting composer. Yeah. Um, and sometimes really difficult to get into. You, you've really got to understand. Mm. Um, he's actually one of... So remember the example that I gave of if, if you are side-tracking music or reading music, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you, you, you've got to get into the style first. Yeah. Yeah. Fauré is actually one of the more difficult composers. To fully understand, to get into... Yeah, I I remember um, I I've listened to a few of his pieces before, mm-hmm. and I hadn't really played his music. Mm-hmm. And then, one of the pieces for Midlands Youth Choir was uh, a piece by Foray, Cantique mm-hmm. uh, de Jean Racine, and wow, did that piano part give me trouble? And it wasn't that it was difficult. Yeah, it was that I didn't understand what where he was going with the harmony or anything. So when the patterns were put together, it was difficult to navigate because I didn't understand it. Mm. And it mm. was only after really getting into it, teaching it, playing it, uh, that I started understanding. Mm. And I still feel like I don't know enough about Foray. I, I really should, because I haven't passed the three. There's only two pieces I've played by Foray. Mm. I still need to play a third piece. Yeah. Fully understand yeah. Foray. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's. You learn uh, one thing. I I told uh, one of the sh- customers in the shop, one of us uh, former students, an instrument. Your take. Human beings are basically translators between what you wish to say and the tool that you need to say it in. And it is that thing of a musician to find your voice in a certain instrument you being piano uh others being guitar others being drums and that but the way that you can fully express yourself and translate that feeling through that instrument and to the audience who have never seen you before maybe they've seen you on instagram and all that kind of stuff but when they really get to hear you you are translating that feeling from that piece but you're also adding your soul into that instrument and you calling it out onto onto the audience that's when you know you've hooked them and they're feeling what you feel. And you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's one of those really, really hectic things, uh, very mystical things about uh, music and the instrumentation. And that. You know, it, that is one of the interesting things about acoustic instruments and, and, mm. and acoustic performances. The fact that there's... Um, and and when you when you get into sound engineering, you you start realizing it when you study like how sound behaves in different environments because yeah. there's there's so many different elements. I mean, you are trying to get this unique sound mm-hmm. that you kind of envision from within inside you, mm-hmm. and whatever instrument you are playing on and whatever hall you are in the sound behaves completely differently and um it just it just makes every performance so so different yeah um it's 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 insane 
it all comes down to the acoustic. I think you, you get, as a sound engineer, acoustics, sound frequencies, what yeah, bounces yeah. off. What what one plays in this room is massively is polar difference. Yeah, yeah. For when you go play at a, at, a, at another room, maybe at a school, at a yeah. like you playing here, you have your frequencies or uh, and they they bounce off in the right places. Yeah. It's actually really important mm. to um, to move. Yeah, to as much as possible, move around and and practice in this different environments. I, I used to do it a lot with my vocal students. Yeah. The thing of... Um, because a lot of the time we, when we... Like if I'm at a school, there's a practice room that we're kind of working in. Mm-hmm. And it's a small box of a room. Yeah. And they don't get to experience filling a larger room with that sound. Yes. So I like to sometimes take them like to the school hall or something like that arranged to actually have like a practice there where we work through a piece because then they've got a different environment to forward their sound and stuff and that's really important Mm. and i feel like um especially now with covid that that has been one of the influence on singers voices especially like opera singers that that have to do that acoustically with their voice um yeah, they've been limited to, I mean, working from, from home, a lot of them, studying from home. Yeah. Um, not really that many opportunities to practice on a stage. Yeah, definitely. And that, that, that limits you because you only know one limit to your voice, and that's that small kind of practice room or within your house kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's jump to, and I think this this is a, this is a nice as we kind of start this this mm. will expand nicely as we kind of talk about it. yeah so this is playing together so, so you and me have played together a number of times yeah and, every, um, and i loved every moment so um how would you say the experience has been like, like we, because i mean playing with different people you you get a different vibe but i'm, I'm like curious like how outside of myself <laughs> how people kind of see me or perceive me how, how I see how I work and stuff because I don't know how I work <laughs> I just kind of get into a certain zone and, and work well from the times well from the times that I've known you you had a very strong tendency that was really core cool of being organized arranging a piece in a certain way but at the same time, what I also liked, especially if I make an example with the jazz stuff that we did, you, myself, and Carl, yeah, you had that aspect that it's good to be, it's good to be that uh, to know the piece, but also to to free ourselves in a way, yeah, to yeah. let ourselves really like let loose. And I mean, some of the songs, some of the songs that 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 we had to learn, or some of the songs that we really had to learn, you allowed us the freedom to really give our own taste to the song. Especially, especially songs that we've never played before. Especially songs you, you you pretty much the only guy who like, okay, I know how this goes. I know the structure and that. But then when you say that, um, okay, so this is the part, this is the A section, this is the B section, this is a, there was like one example. That's a Brazilian piece. Uh, the um, 
Ah, one note samba. Yeah. One note samba. Um, there, there were so many variations and so many different styles that you that you knew exactly how to play it, but then you allowed us to feed off your energy. I think it's a, it's I know it's a weird thing, very ethery thing. Yeah, so, yeah. But energy feeding between and going back to human interaction and and respects for and that energy feed that you feed, you know exactly what to play and how to play it. But then we also telepathically kind of figure what's going on in your mind and we also send signals <laughs> to each other and be like, yeah yeah okay this is the part where we you ready yeah okay ready one two three you know then you already like okay i know exactly this is great and we're like he's got it follow him follow him one <laughs> two three okay yeah. okay Okay, <laughs> but but but, but yeah. to, to what I enjoy about working with you is again, um, yeah, freedom of expression, and uh, having structure, yeah, yeah. but have freedom of expression to be moving. And no, that, that, that is stuff. that is very important. Yeah. Um, obviously, in, in in larger segments, it's it's more difficult. There's mm. a sense of blending that has to be achieved, and, and then and then there's a sense of unity, yeah. like in an orchestra yeah. or in a choir that has to be achieved. Yeah. Um, but in, in in a band or even with chamber music, mm-hmm. it's very much communication. Yes. Uh, communication between each other, and and everyone is coming from a different upbringing a different way they kind of see the music and stuff mm. and um this is where it's also important to have someone that's in, and i suppose i'm the ideal person when it comes to this situation have someone that's organized mm. because someone has to understand because i mean you can have everyone that is coming from these different styles but yeah if you can't have someone that sees how they can fit those styles together, together yeah. then it's not gonna sound it's good it's gonna sound weird yeah yeah it's gonna sound super weird (laughs) (laughs) but sometimes 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 being weird can also work yeah yeah with that one track what's our favorite one yeah okay (laughs) it was fully improvised that was that was so fun that was was (laughs) everything was fully improvised off the cuff, we have no idea what's going on. We have no not, idea what. Not, really. not entirely, not but entirely. but but we, we had we that work thing, kind of the structure. Yeah, and, yeah. and you were, I think, we we had kind of layered it out. So you yeah. you, you started it off. So 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 th- this is a piece that you can actually find on on YouTube if you search because I put it on YouTube. So if you search for yeah okay, as in like J A, um, and then the next word okay. Um, I'm so on, on, on the channel Maestro Matthew Hoffman, yeah. you you will find this piece. So no, the, the, the actual performance. The the kick the the kicker was how it we came to naming that song. That's how what made me laugh. Yes. That that's what made me laugh because we're busy trying to structure this song, and we 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 rattling. We're and, all and serious games. And in walks the the guy that was well the guy that was. Uh, Part of the maintenance team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Eugene. Eugene, Eugene yes, yeah. yes. And you're like, are you working today? Are you working today, right? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. 
And what, what else did he say? What, what else no, did he say? No, no, no. He was listening to us as oh, we yes. were running through it. And, and, yeah. And uh, so each kind of element that we would add in, every time in between, he would say, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah okay, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we came up with the name for the piece. <laughs> okay, so we're going to play another piece now. Okay, come, come on, guys. We need to get serious now. And I'll be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay cool 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 so yeah oh, that yeah. piece was that piece was something else man but as it improvisation sometimes works yeah oh no yeah. not sometimes but yeah, the main the main yeah. theme was was your idea though yeah that, that the, was your main base the base yeah and then you follow through with the with the in between See what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You just see what I mean? Feeding off energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Feeding off energy, no, that, telepathically that connecting with the, with another musician that you you play with, but not often. Yeah. But but it makes you feel like you guys have been yeah. playing. But one like one where we actually did, just off the cuff, mm. um, <laughs> it was literally an improvised performance. Was um, so we we didn't think we would have to do an encore. Yes, yes. And they we asked did. us to do an encore. Yeah. So we didn't have anything. And we were just like, okay, Carl started off, we kind of go somewhere. And then go somewhere. And we created a piece. I think, I think I've actually still got the recording, but I haven't uploaded it. Okay. I must, I must actually have a listen to it and see, yeah. if, it's, see if it's worth uploading. <laughs> I don't know yet. Yeah. You get um, put on the spot like that, you're like. But yeah. it's, it's so interesting. Um, because um, you you were in a tough position. I was actually thinking of a way around this. Mm. Uh, because sometimes people can't be there on time mm. for a, a run-through of the music. Mm. Or the sound check and stuff. And then you've got a... Yeah. So, so you ended up in the situation where yeah. you said you're ready to play. Yeah. And you had... So, so Skip is brilliant in a way that uh, he he can swap very easily between guitar and bass, and he plays both brilliantly. But uh, the the the, the one what was the piece? What did we start with? Did we start with one note samba? We did start with okay. one note samba. So we started with one note samba. What were you supposed to play? I was supposed to cheese. I was supposed to play guitar that night. Okay, so I was supposed was... to start. I was supposed to play guitar that night, but I don't know what happened. It just sound. It would have sounded weird if we played. It was weird because during rehearsal, I pulled out the guitar. No problem. Yeah, we worked on it together yeah. with the guitar. But then you you had the bass in your hand. I had the bass in my hand. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. hadn't practiced it with the bass, and you had to. Yeah, you had to make it work. I had to make it work. Yeah, yeah. and you're like, I was like, okay. Um, like he's, and, and, and I think the part where I realized that there's no turning back now <laughs> is when you slightly glanced at me and, he, and you said, you ready? And I was, and I was like, gulp. <laughs> you realize you could have said no at that point. I was like, but, oh, wait, let me check. I was like, uh, okay, uh, no, it's fine. I was like, gulp. <laughs> oh, oh, this is, this yeah. is it. This is, this, is, this is a sink or swim right now. And... But you know, yeah. <laughs> this is something that I always talk about with, with my students. Yeah. Um, because students tend to work themselves up very much when it comes to performance. Mm. And I always say to them, you know, 
take your time to actually calm down. You yeah. in control of the start of it. Yeah. Don't work yourself into this thing. Of, oh, I have to start now. Yeah. Because then things are not going to go your way. Yeah, yeah. When you start panicking, when yeah, you start yeah. panicking, you lose your structure, your train of thoughts, and now you're like, <sighs> yeah, yeah. You know, if you need to change something, change it before you start. Because at the end of the day, um, you will give a better quality to your audience at the end of the day. Mm. If you are relaxed, the right frame of mind, and you know what's kind of coming. Um, yeah. I think yeah. it's it's the one way I kind of differ with um, teaching like creative arts and working mm. with performances. Yeah. Before any student kind of goes, I make sure that their posture is one hundred percent because posture contributes to a relaxed state of mind. You, you remember Nina's posture? Nina's posture because we worked with Alexander Technique and, yeah. and nerves. I think I was more worried for her for the night because uh, I kept checking on her because it was her first. It was her first performance, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but she was fine. Pulled it off. Alexander Technique, uh, yeah. So you find breathing and, and posture. Mm. If if you haven't calmed yourself down with that, it's intensely nerve-wracking. Yeah. We've all, um, we've, we've all but, had But also knowing like your sound, knowing your sound. Yeah. Knowing and you know, yeah. it's it's not commonplace now, and I feel like it should become com- commonplace mm. again. Mm. In the past, uh, your early 1900s pianists, I'm not, I'm not sure about before then, because they weren't really recordings of that, mm-hmm. but uh, like before they would start a performance, they would play a series of chords on the piano before they start the performance. Mm. Because you need to know the action of the piano uh, and, and how how it sounds, how it feels, everything, mm-hmm. before you actually start. Yeah. In order to give an accurate performance. Mm. And now people kind of just sit there in silence, preparing themselves, and then they play. And I find that's... Uh, like if I think of... There was a performance where... Um, and this was a new venue. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't performed in this venue... So it was. It was also at a Michael House festival. Nice, yeah. Um, the choir that was coming to rehearse mm. missed their rehearsal time because there was there was a flat tire, so the whole choir was held up. Oh, that's not. So their I'm. Fault, so I'm yeah. there. Yeah, no, it wasn't their yeah, fault. Um, their fault so, so I'm there waiting, and I'm like, oh no, where are they? Where are they? Um, so we, we missed. We missed that. That that run through that window and and then we actually get on the stage and I'm sitting at the piano and the seat is lower I don't know what the piano feels like what the piano sounds like and that was nerve-wracking mm. and I think now I, I, I look back and I think you know, this, this thing of playing a few chords before you start needs to be done man. needs to be done properly be done, yeah. uh, it, it really helps there was oh, that one yeah. story you told me, the one pianist who would purposefully tension up the action no, of no, his no, piano. No, 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 um, Let me actually give you the story again. Because I can hear you going yeah, in a yeah. different direction. Um, so it was uh, Ignaz Jan uh, Paderewski was the name of the pianist. Yeah. And he was doing a massive Steinway tour. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's actually one of the biggest tours to date. Really? Yeah. 
Um, so I think he was performing something like 127 concerts and in the middle of his tour. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the piano was tuned a certain way, had a specific tension to it and everything. And yeah, so, so he was used to that. That's how he was practicing on the piano. That's how it was ready for performances. Mm. And what happened was, I think they had gotten a new technician on board and he wasn't aware. And he had prepared the piano for the concert. And the tension was changed. So, (laughs) So Paderewski literally started the piece expecting a certain feel to the piano. And this is also the danger. Of, of starting off a piece, especially if it starts in a specific way, yeah, and and not being aware of how the piano feels, yeah. Um, so he played that first chord, and he he actually said he felt something in his arm, snap. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to finish the performance like that. Um, I, how I long was that performance? It, it was a full performance, like like Beethoven sonatas and hour, hour and a half, like, two like hours. List, list kind of etudes in between and kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it was about, yeah, maybe maybe two hours, one and a half hours, somewhere around there. What a they, champion. They were, big, they were big performance. And this is, this is midway through the tour, and he finishes that entire tour like that. And only after that did he go and seek, like... Uh, seek help, like medical uh, attention. Yeah. Good grief. As he said... I mean, he, he could have... Um, that, that could have been the end of his career if Jeez. it was something more serious. Yes, right. So, yeah, it's... it's what a chance. It's, it's something yeah. to think of, yeah. It is something to think of. And yeah, I mean, uh, yo, it... Yeah, I mean that's why. Yeah, as you say, when you're with uh, technicians, uh, there has to also you have to work in a good team with that. I know modern musicians have that tendency to have technicians that they've worked with for decades because they know exactly, even the certain string grain. They know exactly yeah, yeah. that the gap, uh, or, or even a drum set. They know the right, just the right tone that that art that that drummer wants to uh, have and as you say with the piano as well you have a technician who can just just enough tension just the way that you like it and as you said then it is good then to just um play a couple of chords get a nice feel my question is let's say one night you're performing Mm -hmm. you already know what sort of uh, tension what sort of action you want and your the technician pretty much accidentally does not give you that sort of tension but you're about to start in like 15 minutes what are you going to do are you going to do the same thing this is is what i'm talking about yeah you are very much in control when when you are up there as a performer yeah and you should be allowed to feel the piano out before you start Mm. Yeah. yeah yeah so it's probably best to I would say probably be best to have a spare. Um, or you reckon that's pretty much a, a slightly... That's another thing bit. that you can think of. If, if you want to be more professional and you don't want to play like random stuff. Yeah. Or just a few chords kind of before you yeah, start. Yeah. You can actually have... Because this is how musicians would warm up in like the time of Bach and stuff. They, mm-hmm. they would have a toccata. 
Okay. Ducata is, is a very technical kind of piece. And you can you can come up with your own or use one that is written already mm-hmm. um, in which you basically test your instrument out. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And it, it's also a nice flashy way to kind of feel the entire range because with, with something like that, <clears throat> it goes up and down the piano. You, you'd be able to feel what your bass is like, what your mid-range, what your treble mm. is like on, on, on the keyboard instrument. Yeah. Uh, obviously, depending on what instrument you play. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's important. But I mean, also, you want to know how it sounds in the hall. I mean, we spoke about resonance within different spaces. Acoustics. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I haven't said from my side, um, playing together with you. Mm. There's a specific energy that you, that you kind of have. And I, th- I think now that you've spoken a bit about yourself, I, s- I see it now in your playing as well. Thank so you, 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 you spoke about the whole thing of uh, that interest in wanting to explore. And I yeah. see it very much in, in the style of how you play. Yeah. So it actually makes, it makes performances really fun. Yeah. yeah. I think that's all in all... That is pretty much an absolute law of mine, a personal absolute law. It is cool to play a piece nicely. It's one thing to play a piece nicely, but if you play a, a piece of music or whatever, but you have fun, yeah, that yeah. is the the cherry on top of, of everything. It, it gives your performance meaning, the way I see it. It gives it meaning, and it, it makes it very enjoyable you you playing this piece because you really feeling this piece you love it you into it as you said you understanding the piece you are feeling the piece and that's what makes it fun yeah yeah, yeah. all right yeah so communication 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 is key, is yeah. key yeah but uh yeah e- each kind of uh ensemble that kind of meets together there's, there's different elements there's different ways to kind of communicate like if I look at uh, another example recently, uh, recording the Ravel Mamer um, Loye, the uh, the Mother Goose suite, yes, yes. Um, that was an interesting piece mm. because we we had practiced it before and we had, we had polished it on our own. When we put it together, <laughs> didn't work out See. because. Ravel is so specific with um, where he wants you to play, what colors he wants. Mm. And because of this, um, he, he, he also knows like what, cap- what the capabilities are of the performer. Yeah. That's, that's the interesting <coughs> thing with Ravel. Yeah. So th- there's certain points where, like the pianist that I was, I was playing with, Dylan, he's mm. playing a note. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm playing a note sometimes as well. And then, He's got that same note in the next beat. Mm. So I have to make sure I'm off that note in time for him to play. So you've got to think about... So then we had, we had to actually go back after that and think about how to practice it now with the other person in mind. Mm. And, and, you know, each kind of chamber group that you work in, each band you work in, depending on the size, depending on the instrument, yeah. you, you've got to... Th- You've got to think of the element of 
communication then how are, how are you going to communicate yeah yeah like with with an orchestra it's it's more a sense of as as a whole group how are you communicating with with your conductor mm. and you know the funny thing is a lot of people think the conducting happens in the performance not it's even. not it's not not even it's it's all in all the groundwork is done in the rehearsal yeah Everything that happens in the performance is stuff that has already been ingrained within the rehearsal. It's been gone through. They've planned it. They've learned to communicate with each other. They've and obviously, through and it obviously, somehow, sometimes yeah. it, you end up in difficult situations where you, where you see you can actually see that uh, an orchestra and and the conductor did not did not agree with each other. Mm. And you see it all in the communication with the eyes. Yeah. No, that, yeah. 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 I'm very weird in a sense because I, I internalize music. Mm. And I don't like to seem similar to this conductor because in a way he had a completely different style. Yeah. And, and his orchestra had to learn from him. But, um, and I, I've had to adapt the style, but mm. um, in, in certain cases... But I, because I internalize the music, I like to conduct um, without looking. Mm. That's a that's a rare technique. Because I I've got every because it's not just the music that I have completely memorized mm-hmm. and, and the parts, but the placement of where everyone is as well. Yeah. So I wouldn't say I commu- so a lot of conductors communicate with their eyes. I I would say I, co- I communicate more with my face. Essentially, because mm. I'm looking at certain points and blah blah blah. And, 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 um, yeah, but that's that's another type of communication, you know. The, yeah, each it, element. It reminds me of um, this one time I was watching the last nights of the proms. They were doing the Ben Hur, uh, the Ben Hur piece. Conductor. The, con- con- the conductor. I forgot who the conductor was. Fairly youngish chap. Looked like uh, late thirties or so. Mm-hmm. And there was that part, the ba bum 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 ba da 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 da. But the way he commanded, but you could also see he was enjoying himself. Yeah, he did have a couple of glances and and in, in his in his sheet. Yes, but yes. then when he gives that that command, and he gives that, he just goes to the orchestra. He goes to that uh, the the violas yeah, and yeah. slight brass and stuff. Like, well, a, a lot of know, composers. No, no, a lot of conductors yeah. uh, sometimes don't even need the score because they, they've studied it yeah. so much by that point. Um, yeah, At that point, it's, it's just to keep track because sometimes mm-hmm. instruments aren't playing for a certain amount of time, so you need to know ex- the exact entries and things like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's... let's uh, yeah, I think we've, we've, we've covered that quite yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. There's an element that is important, mm. the whole communication thing. Now, this is how I like to end things off. Really. So so the, we are coming to a close now. So those that have been with us, thank you very much. I see Nicolina is there. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we've got uh, Ash Robin, also a good friend of mine. Thank you for joining us there. Um, so... For the younger audience members that this podcast will go to, mm. what advice do you think you can give to musicians wanting to go into performance? 
Oh, okay. Number one, the most important, well, not the most, but a very important thing is learn the structure. It's as you, you, you taught me this as well. Matthew taught me this. Learn the rules so that you can break them. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I know it's a very cliche thing to say, but, but it, it actually works. Learn your instruments, learn the structure of how you play your stuff, your craft, so that you can have the freedom to unlock your own personal style or own personal sound to it. And by doing that, learn to be yourself. One thing that really bugs me is when, when other when you are now being told that you should play like this person or play like that person. It's one thing to be influenced by that person, but but once you have your own influence, your own style, when you become yeah, your yeah. own sort of voice using that same instrument, the sky is the limit, man. I like to it's think of it as... Um, and, and, and this, when it comes to interpretation, this is always the advice I give. Yeah. I say, you know... As, as much as you researching a composer, trying to do justice to a composer, mm. at the end of the day, a performance is not actually a replication of a composer's work. Yes. Because if it was a replication of a composer's work, then every performance would sound the same. You'd expect the same thing over and over, yeah. So what it actually is, is you're actually having a conversation with the composer mm. so that is basically what it is so you've got to understand because obviously this, this composer is not actually there yeah uh so you you've got to now delve into their background uh understand the music mm. and um, really really kind of get where they were coming from where, where is this piece kind of going yeah, yeah. and then your own sense kind of comes into it yeah and i mean you don't have to change uh decrescendos or anything like that yes but understanding like the phrasing and stuff it becomes a conversation it becomes a conversation absolutely yeah. and uh you need to as you said it's something similar to what i mentioned earlier learn the language of your instruments obviously with the piece that you're playing but learn the language so you can communicate in your own way and all own form. Uh, that way, as you said, if every piece was the same and you are playing it carbon copy as to each composer and conductor, then by the time you go to the next show, you know exactly what to expect and it happens and you lose interest. So by doing that, you put yourself into it. It will require hours. It will require some, some time and dedication. But at the end of the at the end of it, or also one one of the main golden rules is have bloody fun. I cannot express this enough. <laughs> Enjoy yourself, really. If if you don't find different avenues that could make it yeah, worth yeah. your while, if not, then leave it. But all in all, like enjoy the heck out of yourself. It is a fun concept. It's eye opening. It's philosophical. You learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about other people through the music, through the pieces. Yeah, you can yeah. relate to everything that you do through pieces, even normal modernistic songs. It's fine. Which, in music in general, you learn a lot of things by dropping your guard and kind of relaxing and don't be super tense all the time. 
communication with your peers, uh, uh, telepathic communication, unity, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. and 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 it's good to be weird. It is good to be weird. No, no, it is. It is. It is. Being weird is a good thing. Being being different, not following the crowd and all that kind of stuff is a good thing. Playing a that, That's essentially where you find yourself. Yeah, that's essentially where you find yourself. So it is being weird Stepping is good. Out of the Stepping out of the following. It's good to be a black sheep. <laughs> it's actually good to be the black sheep. But um, you'll end up finding your own sort of sound and own representation. I mean, if you make an example, you introduce me to Glenn Gould. Now, I did a bit of research and watching Glenn, and I looked at this cast, and I'm like, yeah, man, this guy, he's very, he's very, very weird, but I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah. It's the way he expresses, the way he explained uh, the pieces in a way that even you can be like, yeah, bro, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, he, yeah. He, uniqueness is is uniqueness is the absolute golden like crown jewel in your performance and your style of play and uh there's no shame in that have fun enjoy yourself be yourself and um obviously do your research uh especially when you're going to play and perform there will be some things you have to understand there's certain things you have to know but as soon as you get on that stage let her up <laughs> yeah yeah all right thank you very much Skippy, and be humble for joining us <laughs> thank you very much thank you for having me like this is a very humbling experience I, i'm very pleased to be okay. here like i'm and, super and, and thank, thank you. you for talking about your experiences from uh, martial music yes thank you um yes they are an excellent store and yeah. some great customer service. Thank you. Great discounts as well. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. No, you, you, you guys are, are really nice to schools and stuff. You, the discounts you. and stuff you guys Thank give. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, if, if you need to pick up an instrument and you are in Peter Maritzburg or the Midlands, check out Marshall's uh, Marshall Music, Music Midlands. Yeah. 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 All right. Thank you very much. This is International Artistic Development and thank you very much to those that are listening at the moment and those that have attended and participated and this is the end mm-hmm.